0: We'll be reading from Esther, chapter eight, and it reads, that same day, King Azuerus awarded Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. Mordecai entered the king's presence because Esther had revealed her relationship to Mordecai. The king removed his signet ring he had recovered from Haman and gave it to Mordecai, and Esther put it him in charge of Haman's estate. Then Esther addressed the king again. She fell at his feet, wept, and begged him to revoke the evil Haman, the evil of Haman, the Agagite and his plight plot he had devised against the Jews. The king extended the gold scepter towards Esther, so she got up and stood before the king. She said, "If it pleases the king, I have found favor before him. If the matter seems right to the king and I am pleasing in his eyes, let a royal edict be written. Let it revoke the documents. The scheming Haman, son of the Hamathida, the Agagite wrote to destroy the Jews who are all in the king's provinces. For how could I bear to see the despair, the disaster that will come on my people. How could I bear to see the destruction of my relatives? King Ahasuerus said to Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, look, I have given Haman's estate to Esther and he was hanged on the gallows because he attacked the Jews. Write in the king's name, whatever pleases you concerning the Jews and seal it with this royal signet ring. A document written in the king's name and sealed with the royal signet ring cannot be revoked. On the, 20th, on the 23rd day of the third month, that is, the month Sivan, the royal scribes were summoned. Everything was written exactly as Mordecai commanded for the Jews, to the satraps, the governors, and the officials of the 127 providences from India to Kush, the edict was written for each province in its own script, for each ethnic group in its own language, and to the Jews in their own script and language. Mordecai wrote in King Ahasuerus's name and sealed the edict with the royal signet ring. He sent the documents by mounted carriers. He rode fast horses, bread, in the royal stables. The king's edict gave the Jews in each and every city the right to assemble and to defend themselves, to destroy, kill, and annihilate every ethnic and provincial army hostile to them, including women and children, and to take their possessions as spoils of war. This would take place on a single day throughout all the provinces of King Ejewis, on the 13th day of the 12th month, the month Adar. A copy of the text issued by law throughout every province was distributed to all the peoples so the Jews could be ready to avenge themselves against their enemies on that day. The carriers rode out in haste on their royal horses at the king's urgent command. The law was also issued in the fortress of Susa. Mordecai went from the king's presence clothed in royal purple and white with a great gold crown and a purple robe of fine linen the city of Susa shouted and rejoiced, and the Jews celebrated with gladness, joy, and honor. In every province, and every city, wherever the king's command and his law reached, joy and rejoicing took place among the Jews. There was a celebration and a holiday, and many of the ethnic groups of the land professed themselves to be Jews because fear of the Jews had overcome them. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his word.
1: Good morning, uh, church. Um, Before our brother, Lucius, comes up, Lucius uh, served here um, as an elder, uh, also a worship pastor, and um, we had a privilege, the privilege of sending him off um, to lead, to launch a church in Marietta called You Movement, and so now he is pastoring at that church now, and so we have the pleasure of being encouraged by him through God's word. And so, but before he comes up, I want to spend uh, a few minutes leading us in prayer. Um, In light of all the things that are happening around the world, specifically with Israel, I think the Bible encourages us to pray for the nation. And not just that, but to pray for our brothers who are in those persecuted places. And so uh, there are Um, In fact, missionaries from Blueprint who have gone out uh, to serve and preach the Gospels in the Middle East. And so we want to think of them. Um, We want to think of our persecuted brothers. Uh, But then we also want to think about God's covenant people and pray for them. And so I want to lead us towards that end. If you would pray with me. God, you are king. Over all the nations, you rule with all authority. We read in Psalms chapter ten, you say, "Listen, you listen to the desires of the afflicted. You will strengthen the heart of the weak. You will incline, incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and to those who are oppressed. You are a refuge and you are a strength." When we face trouble, you are near to us. You care for us and you promise your presence and power when we are in need. And so in light of the conflict that we are seeing in the Middle East, we as a church turn to you now to mourn with our brothers, praying for peace and comfort for all those who are suffering through this escalating violence on Israel. Violence that has killed injured thousands, and an unknown number of people have been abducted. We pray for those who have lost loved ones, those who have been affected by this. Lord, right now we pray that they will feel your comfort and your peace, and we pray that you would protect and fight for those who have been abducted and bring them home safely to be returned to their families. We pray for our global leaders who are in position of power with the ability to impact the course of this crisis. We pray that you would give these leaders divine wisdom and discernment to know how to mediate and bring about peaceful a peaceful resolution. May they act with wisdom and compassion and a sincere desire for peace. Lord, we pray for the safety and the well-being of the civilians caught in this crossfire And for strength for the first responders and the aid workers providing assistance in the midst of this danger, Lord, we pray that you would open doors that would allow for food, essential medical supplies to reach those who are in need, to rescue the injured, to comfort the greeting, and to help rebuild the lives of those people. And God, as we've been studying through the book of Esther, we are reminded that We are living in a world that is filled with global tension and conflict. And so your word gives us encouragement to know that you are not removed from this crisis, especially the attack that's on Israel. Though we may not know what you're doing or how you are moving, but we know that you are acting. You are actively at work. And so just like we've been reading in the book of Esther, we pray on behalf of those who need rescue. Just like we've been reading in the book of Esther, we pray that you would lift up in Esther people in position of influence and power for such a time as this to display courage and wisdom, to influence people towards a greater plan, your greater plan, in your heart's desire for salvation, redemption, and restoration. Let the churches there, the missionaries there, blueprints missionaries there, be the Esthers and the Mordecais, fearlessly standing in the gap for your people, fearlessly proclaiming the only message that can offer true change, true forgiveness, true reconciliation, true hope, True comfort, true peace in the midst of this rising tension. And that's the message of Jesus. And we pray Psalms 122, where you, in your word, God, encourages us to pray for Jerusalem. And this is what we want to do today. May there be peace within her walls, security within her fortress. For the sake of my brothers, the word says, for the sake of my brothers and friends, I will say, may peace be in you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. God, we pray all this in your name. Amen.
2: As I look around the room, I see many people that Yahweh has brought to one building for a reason. I think about when the Lord Yahshua Jesus the Christ saw the crowd He saw their distress. He saw what they were going through. And they said he was filled with compassion. And if you study scripture, they say he was filled with so much compassion and sorrow he was bent over by what he saw. He was grieved by what he saw. And he told, he turned to disciples and say, pray to the Lord of the harvest for these people are without shepherds and they're in need of laborers to raise up. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that laborers will arise to serve and engage and encounter these people for the glory of God. I don't know how many in this room are believers, but you are the answer of that prayer. And in light of what my dear brother, Pastor Carly, just prayed, we're reminded daily on social media, on the news, in community, that we are in a place of chaos, in a time of mad chaos. A time where there's a lot of hate. There's a lot of despair. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of loss. There's a lot of lies. There's a lot of loneliness. There's a lot of hurt. And Ephesians 5 reminds us that to make the best of the time. Make the best use of your time. For what? For the days are evil. I was triggered last week and I had to come off of Instagram because I kept seeing these images, these images, these images of death, these images of pain and hurt. And it start triggering nightmares where I couldn't even sleep. Because there are people, even this Sunday morning, that want to worship their God but don't have a building to go to. Who wants to worship their God and don't have a home to meet at. And here we are, safe. So may we have gratitude for the provision of God and the protection of God. Amen. We'll be in Esther chapter 8. And Esther is a beautiful story and a reminder of our identity as reconcilers. 2 Corinthians 5 says that in Christ, God Almighty, that's why we call Christ Emmanuel, in Christ, God Almighty was reconciling the world unto himself. And then now he entrusts us, the people of God, with that same ministry of reconciliation so he can move through the church and continue to reconcile the lost to himself. So Esther, though you don't hear mention of God, you can still see the reconciling character of God putting things in place to move through Esther to set up a time and a space for the Jews to be free and to be saved. And not just Jews, but Gentiles as well in the future. For Jesus Christ will bring all two together. So my encouragement to you this morning, I believe God has given me, to give you blueprint this morning is to redeem the time to make best use of your time for the days are evil chapter 8 is a very lengthy so i'm not going to read and go verse by verse but chapter 8 verses 1 through 3 is a continuation of Esther and Mordecai on mission on behalf of their people. And we know that Haman just got executed because of the shady stuff he was doing and because he put this law in place. One, he hated the Jews, the, the Hebrews, he hated them. And then he put a law in place to make sure that they'd be annihilated, wiped off the planet of the earth, most importantly from the provinces, that King Asuras was over. And then here in chapter 8, we continue on from last week that our dear brother has put in place for us. So thank you, Evan. Love you. Always good to see you, brother. So let's dive into Esther chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. So as we look in verses 1 through 3, we see this. It says on the day that king Ahasuerus gave to queen Esther the house of Haman the enemy of the Jews and Mordecai came before the king for Esther had told what he was to her and the king took off his signet ring which he had taken from Haman and gave it to Mordecai and Esther get set Mordecai over the house of Haman pause When he says that he said when he said he gave the house over to Esther what he's saying is that he gave the whole estate Haman's estate Everything that he, he ruled over, everything he gave it over, his estate over to Esther. And then so he gave Esther a certain type of dominion over Haman's estate and his people. But then not only that, we see in verses 1 through 2 that he also, he also gives authority to Mordecai because that ring, the signet ring, is a symbol of, of, of authority. He gave him authority so he could be able to make decisions on behalf of the king and the kingdom. So in these first two verses, we see something so beautiful that through Esther, God is restoring a level of dominion and authority to his people. Not only, we've been talking using the word reversal. I know y'all been using the word reversal. I listen to all the sermons in one day. It was a lot. I listened to all the sermons in one day. But there's also a prophetic pointing towards what God is doing and going to do. In the garden, he gave us dominion and authority, right? He said, reflect my image, represent my kingdom, so you have dominion and authority over all the land. Satan came in, told us something different. We forfeited that, and we've been struggling and fighting to get it back if we even wanted it back. But then we know in the end, through Yeshua Jesus, when he rose from the grave, what he said, he said, All authority has been given to me. Now I ex you, I give authority to you. Go make disciples, preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we see here this giving of, this restoring of dominion and authority to the people of God, the Hebrews, the Jews, which we have that same authority, we have that same dominion under Jesus Christ's rule. And this is important as I continue to talk. Then when we go to verses three, and I'm not going to read all this, verses 3 through 9, or 3 through 8, we begin to see Esther go back into the presence of the king because Haman's death wasn't enough. There was still a law in place to annihilate the Jews. And this is very important to hold on to because this is going to be the anchor of our text today and what we're going to talk about today. So, Haman put a law in place that all Jews would be annihilated and they couldn't fight back. They had to submit to what was going to happen to them. So she knew that Esther was like, no, I I love my people. And I love what she says here. In here, I love her heart. She says, she said, how can I bear to see the calamity that is coming to my people? Or how can I bear to see the destruction of my kindred? This is the same Esther who earlier said, man, I'm going to go into his presence. If I die, I die. This heart that we see in Esther is the heart that God has called us to have, which Christ had, which is a cross-bearing heart. Because remember, Christ said what? He said, if anybody come after me, Matthew 16, 24, he said, if anybody come after me, you must first deny yourself and pick up your what? Your cross and what? And follow me. Cross mean whatever your persecution, the hardship, the discomfort, everything that's going to make you uncomfortable that you don't want, it comes with that cross. But you know what? You can't follow me unless you pick it up. Otherwise, you're not worthy to be my disciple. I didn't say that. He said that. So you see, Esther says she bears her cross as a Jewish woman and say, no matter what comes, I will bear my cross and I will go into the presence of the king for the sake of my people. Pauls, Do we have that heart as we think about sharing the gospel in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and at our jobs? Willing to be persecuted, willing to be uncomfortable for a moment, willing to have to sit by ourselves at lunchtime because we, because we exude and, we, and, we, and, and, and the ooze of Yah's presence is too heavy on us. Are we still willing to bear our costs and say, I'm going steal love on people and share the gospel regardless? There is a heart that comes with being a follower of Jesus, especially in a time such as this. And just like Esther was in a time of chaos, we are in a time of chaos. So she goes in there, and she goes before the king, and she falls on her knees, and she weeps, and she pleads with the king. And it's a great picture of what our prayer should look like, saints, as we, 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 as we follow the Lord Jesus, as we think about the chaos going on in the world, as we look on social media, uh, we should be pressing to go into the presence of God with tears, weeping because we see the chaos and we know our God is able to change. And we're going before the feet of the Lord Jesus saying, change things, your kingdom come, your will be done. And if it costs me my time, if it costs me two hours in this closet, if it costs my knees to hurt, if it costs me to be late for work, if it costs for our services to be longer, we will plead with you, God, for the calamity that we see in the world. Yahweh is showing us the heart that he desires of his followers. Willing to bear the cross, not with pride like we've been doing, now we're pointing a finger. For repentance isn't a banging on the table. A repentance is a stretching of the arm, saying repent. He's showing us what a reconciler, a follow him looks like. One who cries, who, who beseeches people from the presence of the king. So she goes in there because she realizes that though Haman is dead, executed, out the way, part of Haman still lives on. Why do I say that? And I'm big at you, Movement, to make sure I give a simple understanding, give give people a simple understanding of what God's word means. When you think about law, when you think about law, laws are simple. They're simply just rules and regulations put in place to influence and govern order and relationships. That's why Yahweh gave us a law to maintain our relationships. We thought that he gave us the law in the garden to keep us away from things. No, he he gave us a law in the garden. He told us not to eat from the tree because he wanted to maintain our relationship with him. So laws are are put in place to to influence and govern um, the uh, order and the relationships in the midst of that kingdom or that area or that domain. Another thing to know about laws that is so important here. This is why Mordecai said, I can't revoke the law. I can't just submit it. Why? Because laws also brings credibility to your name. Laws also displays the heart and the agenda and the vision of the leader who put the law in place. So laws are an extension of the very leader who put the law in place. That's why it's very important that's why we pray and we, we talk about, man, who should we put in place as president? Who should we put in place as governor? Because we want to make sure that the leader we put in place, his heart is in a position that when he put a law in place, it's, in a, it's an extension of him that we agree with. So, so uh, Ahasuerus said, I can't just revoke the law because that would do something to my credibility. My yay can be my yea no more and my nay can be my nay no more. And then they asked me, is it that you did you change your heart about what you feel? Because the law is an extension of the king. So he'll say, Man, I did, I did honor, though. I may not believe it, I did honor it, I did give him my yay. He said, But what I do, what I will do is give you authority to counter that law. So laws, again, are regulations and rules put in place to influence and, and govern our order and relationships. Now, why is that important here again? Because though Haman was passed away and he was dead, he was executed. His life still lived on through the law. So though they got him out the way, they still will, the law would still do what he wanted to do. Let me give you a simple example. I'm mean, been doing this the whole time. Movies, right? Movies and anybody know I talk about movies too when I used to appreciate Blueford, right? Movies, right? When you think about an action movie, right? You got the hero, you got the villain, and there's some reason there's always this ticking time bomb somewhere in the city, right? Somewhere, right? They usually put it somewhere if he was in Atlanta, they'd probably put it down at State Farm Arena, whatever. Just imagine. So you got these movies where there's always a hero, there's always a villain, and then there's always this ticking time bomb that's going to go off in like three seconds. And that was at the beginning of the movie, and we just watched a two-hour movie, right? Go figure, right? So you got this, but listen. So what usually always happens, and y'all can confirm this, they always what? End up either killing the, the villain or getting rid of the villain or jailing the villain. And then now what's the rest of the story about? How can we what? Disarm the bomb, right? Before it blows up all of America, right? Right? This is the same thing. Haman put a bomb in place. And though he was out of the picture, the bomb was still ticking. And it could still do what he wanted it to do. So the people, so Esther had to come in and say, I have to defuse this bomb, or my people would be annihilated. They would be murdered, they'd be executed. The beauty of that is that this is a shadowing type, and this is Old Testament, of what Christ was gonna to do to the law of sin and death. When we fell short of his glory, Many laws were put in place, but one of the laws, just like there's a law of gravity, there's a law of depravity. Meaning that now ever since you fell short of the glory of of Christ, every baby that's born out of the womb of of the first Adam will come with sin and will be facing death. It's a law. You can't change it. It's put in place. But Yahweh said, I got a plan to counter that law. And I'm going to do it through Yeshua Jesus. I'm telling you, when you study God's word, don't seek to be a philosopher of Christ. Discipleship is not about making philosophers of Christ. It's about making followers of Christ who love the Lord God with all their heart, their soul, their mind, and who love their neighbor as themselves. That's the goal of discipleship. So when you study his word, that's what you're trying to produce in yourself and produce others. So when you look in scripture, you're trying to see not just the the people of God in the text, but the God of the people. And what is he explaining and showing to you and revealing to you? Because when you get to know him, the Sabbath, when you get to know him, you don't, have to under, you don't have to know Hebrew and everything to understand what God is trying to show you through his word and in your life. So go to Romans 8 chapter. Go to Romans 8. Oh, that's funny. Esther chapter 8, Romans 8. Come on, God. You're just so prophetic. Go to Romans chapter 8. And this is important. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Remember. If you didn't notice, when Adam rejected God, disobeyed, I just say when Adam disobeyed God in the garden, there was a law called the law of sin and death that was put in place. But there was another law that Yeshua brought, Jesus brought. I'm old school. So, saints, if you got Romans 8, chapter 1, say amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. So, it says this in Romans chapter 8, verses 1. Remember, this is the word of God. It's true. Everything in here is true. It's true. He says, there is therefore now. Let's go to 25 and 7. Thanks be to God. Let's go to 21, 721. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So it says this in 721. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. I delight in the law of God but in in my inner being. But I see in my members another law raging against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin. That dwells in my members, wretched man that I am, who would deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to Yahweh God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. What he's saying is that your flesh, regardless, is going to serve sin. Romans eight. If you ever want to understand the spirit and sin and how to walk, alone, you study Romans eight. Romans 8, he said, yo, 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 he said, he said, man, Romans 8, you've been freed. He said, man, like the, the Spirit frees you. So he says, he said, with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Even Romans 8, Romans would teach you that, this, that your flesh can't, is hostile to God, and it can't even do the things of God. It don't even want to do the things of God. So whenever you're not, so whenever you're in a place and you're operating in your flesh, you're in a deadly place. I don't care how good it seems. But even Peter thought he was saying a good thing and got rebuked by Jesus. Amen. He said, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. So he said, with my mind, I serve the Lord God. But this flesh that I live in, it is serving sin. He He said, therefore, he said, there is therefore now, because of Yeshua Jesus, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation. All condemnation simply means that penalty after guilt. Condemnation means penalty after guilt. Guilt means the feeling of responsibility for your actions. I'm making it very simple for y'all. I'm telling you, you got to if you don't understand his word and understand what he, you'll be lost or you'll be walking in condemnation. Guilt is the feeling of responsibility for your actions. Guilt is like you, like man, I, I, I did that. Ah, guilt. So guilt is not a bad thing. It is a, it's taking responsibility for your actions. Condemnation is after you feel the guilt, now you know there's a penalty coming that you can't get away from. So he said, therefore, hallelujah, there is no more penalty after you feel guilty for what you do on a daily basis. Did you catch that? Your freedom was in that. He said, therefore, there's no more condemnation. No more condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. Not those that come on Sunday mornings, not those that just go to Bible studies, not those that say, thank God for my ward at the show, after we didn't twerk for the last two hours, not that, but the one who is in Christ Jesus, meaning they have died to themselves, they have been baptized, and they find their life in him with their mind, with their heart, their soul, and with their whole life. They say, I live according to him, and it's no longer I that live, but Christ living in me. So he said, there is no more no condemnation no, there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here we go. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So what we've seen in this section is that A new law was put in place to counter the old law. What are we excited about and we should be rejoicing about every day and celebrating about is that the old law of sin and death has been countered by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Jesus Christ, not only did he die to reconcile you to Yahweh, but he died and gave his life so that as you continue to live life, seeing your sin issues, seeing yourself fall short of his glory, thinking about things you ain't supposed to, doing things you're not supposed to, that you can have freedom and boldness to go before the throne of grace. Not just for you, but like Esther, for behalf of everybody you're around. So Esther knew, she says it's not enough to get rid of Haman. I got to get rid of the law that Haman put in place. Same with this world. We bring them the gospel of Yeshua, Jesus, the good news of Jesus, but then we must also give them the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ comes and changes the people. The gospel of the kingdom of God comes in and changes the system. We just sung a song that said, What? His government, the government was on Jesus' shoulders. His kingdom. She said, Jesus came to say, Jesus said, there's a government in place, a world government that's wicked, that's bogus, that brings a lot of chaos, that's all about hate. I come to counter that. I come to defeat it. So I come with the government of Yahweh on my shoulders. And then when you let me in your heart, I put laws in you by the Spirit that regulates and influences your relationships and the order within you. To kingdom, it is, it, is a, it is a place. But most importantly, kingdom is a dwelling presence of God amongst people who invite him to dwell. And when he dwells, he changes things. When he dwells, he changes things. So Esther, though they don't talk about it. That's the word. They were Hebrews. They submitted to the Almighty Yah. They knew the Torah. They knew what Yahweh was able to do. So they did, according to knowing who they served. So the blessing we find in this, when anything is that now, daily, as we face issues that we see in our neighborhoods and issues we see in our families, we don't run from them, we run to them with prayer because what the enemy is doing to a lot of us, he's distracting us from the work of God, most importantly with condemnation. You see yourself falling short of your glory. You see yourself. I shouldn't have did it with that guy. I shouldn't have did it. With it. Man, I shouldn't have drunk that. I shouldn't. And it makes us feel like we we're not worthy to do a work, and we don't want to do nothing. Oh, I don't. I'm not worthy to do this. I'm not worthy to go to service. I'm not, Who told you you were not worthy? When you took on the life of Jesus Christ, you took on His holiness and His righteousness. You became a son and a daughter of Yahweh. Even if you don't think you're worthy. You still inherit it. My daddy can give me a nice, dope Cadillac with rims and stuff on, and I can say I'm not worthy. What them keys? <laughs> I'm not worthy, boy. Why? Because it's free, and Yahweh wants us to be free, to be able to do the work that He called us to do, not in and of our own power but as he moves through us. And then after they put the law in place, they put the different law in place, and they sent the the word out to everybody, to all the Jews, to all the people, to let them know this law is in place. You can't, uh, if you try to go against the Jews, they can fight back now. And then it ends off saying that the people rejoice, which shows us, They rejoice off the salvation that they received through the act of Esther and Mordecai, which is pointing to the future, rejoicing. We would do in heaven with the elders and the angels. But also right now, because the Bible says when one sinner repents, what? The heavens rejoice. Rejoice. So that new law, not only did the old law was encountered, but it was a new law, but that new law brought salvation and joy, and it's free for every single body who places their life in Jesus Christ. What makes the good news the good news is that by faith in the personal work of Jesus Christ, you can have unlimited access to the kingdom of God, to Yahweh. To Jesus, to salvation, to peace, etc., etc. So, what does it mean for two type of people in this room—followers of Jesus and those who don't follow Jesus? Followers of Jesus, like I said, don't get caught up in. And this, this war that you have within you, don't even get caught up in the war of the, of the enemy. Sometimes the enemy like to do a lot of this to get our attention. Now we're focused on, oh, man, the enemy after me. The enemy, enemy was defeated. Just like Haman was defeated, the enemy was defeated. He was defanged. He ain't got no teeth no more. He ain't got no poison. He can't do nothing but hiss at you. And nobody hissing seems, it's not scary to me at all. You walk in and you got, I'm like, oh, okay, what are we doing here? I don't care how you make your face. Look at me. Do I look mean? You're like, come on, dude. The enemy has been defeated. So don't worry about him. Even Jesus Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. So we're not worrying about that. Those are all distractions. You keep your eyes on Jesus. And we go before the throne of grace right now. God is calling us right now to pray more the kept going into the presence of the king. We got King Yeshua, Jesus, who they say is a great high priest who loves us. And he said, cast your cares upon me. So we go to him and we cast our cares. Lord God, we're tired of seeing this. Lord God, come and change. Even Jesus said, you want to learn how to pray? Pray. First thing he said is, man, man, holy, heavenly God, you're holy, you're great. He said and pray this. he said, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't say, try to go through all the details, Lord. Tear down the enemy's hand on the church. Lord. No, no, no. He said, just pray that my kingdom come. And I will do the changing. I will do the moving. I will shut the things down according to my will. So believers, follow Yeshua Jesus who have bared their cross and denied themselves. Begin today to grow, to go and run into the throne of grace boldly. Free, freely and humbly, beseeching him and interceding on behalf of your city and your country and your family and friends. But then you who have yet to make a decision to follow Jesus, I would encourage you to come to his presence humbly so you can join this movement that God is doing in the earth, this movement of change. It's free. I apologize to any unbeliever in this room, anybody have have followed Jesus or I was following Jesus because you, you're hurt because you see how jacked up we are. Sorry somebody told you wrong. We're not perfect. The people of God are jacked up people. We're imperfect. Matter of fact, the reason why we run to him is because we're so imperfect. That's my motivation to run to him because of what he said. Man, it's a war in Lucius. It's a war in Lucius. My mind thinks this, my, like it's a war in me. I'm ever talk but God, like, but I need you. I would encourage you, if you're not following Jesus, come. God has nothing to do with the chaos in the world. That's man. We brought this on ourselves. It's man making the decision outside of God. I don't care how much they call Allah, whoever. They didn't call Yahweh, because Yahweh is different than Allah. Yahweh points to the triuneness of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Allah only points to God. So I encourage you, if you have yet to place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's free. Christ did it all, He will continue to do it all. I don't fix Lucius. If you ask my wife, she want my fixing to be speared up a little more. <laughs> I don't. You know what I do? You know what you could do? You know what we can do? Just rest in him. Trust him. Follow him. You're gonna fall. You're gonna trip. These are sins in your life. You're gonna trip over this speaker. You're gonna trip, you're gonna trip in life, but you get back up and you follow him. You might even throw the cross down sometime. It hurts. It hurts, God. This is too much. You better go back and pick it back up and keep following. Him. And sometimes it's hard to pick up that cross. Then that's why you get back on your knees and you pray. God, give me the strength to carry this cross you call me to bear. Give me the strength to carry this cross when I still got a son that don't know you and he may die and live it forever in hell. God, give me the strength to bear this cross in this marriage It's not working like I thought it would. God, give me the strength to bear this cross in my neighborhood when people look at me funny. God, give me the, cro- the strength to bear this cross in my schools when my, play, when my friends look at me and they don't love Jesus and they don't think about Jesus and they look at me weird when I pray. Lord God, like, give me the grace and ability to bear this cross. And he will do the work because he's already been doing the work. Be encouraged. Believers, Go to the throne of grace boldly in prayer and in intercession. Unbelievers, come to the presence of God humbly and receive your free gift of salvation. Because I know we're afraid to talk about this. I'm not. The reason why we use the word that we're saved, because we're saved from something. And you know what we're saved from? The wrath of the almighty Yahweh that is to come. Read John chapter 3. Think about he's a pure holy God. There's going to be some point he's going to be like, enough. It's time to bring my kingdom on this earth the way it's supposed to be. Enough. reason why he hasn't came yet because he's given you time, giving us time to surrender to him. Communion was called the Passover lamb dinner. He said, yo, go prepare the Passover dinner. Then what do you see in the next section? They was taking communion with the food. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb. What does that mean? Just like in the Old Testament, God does a lot of shadowing of things. The the New Testament usually unveils what's been concealed in in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Jews, the Hebrews, the death angel passed over their homes because the blood of the lamb was on their doorposts of their homes. So as he was bringing death to this community, he said, put the blood of the lamb on the homes so the death angel will pass over you. And that's why you get the Passover meal. But it happens again. We take on the blood of Yeshua, Jesus. He said, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We take on the blood of Yeshua. And then now when the wrath of God comes, he said, uh-uh, uh those mine. The wrath of God will pass over. That's why we say we saved. Not to act like we're more holy than you. We're it because, praise God, we've been saved. We want you to be saved. Come with all that you are. It don't matter. He will do the work. For Esther keeps reminding us that God is at work even when you don't hear him or see him. Even when you don't feel him. That's why he said, have faith in me. Faith don't need to feel anything. Faith just knows. My son them don't have to feel me behind him if somebody come against them when they playing ball at the gym. They know my pops come in this gym. It's only it, popping. They just know it. We have to just know that God is doing a work through us. Don't try to be perfect. Don't try to figure it out. He done it. Oh, he's going to transform you. I was a wretch. I'm still a wretch. Got me, bro. I'll bring you out of the hood in Gary, Indiana. Never thought I'd be on stage preaching the gospel. I've been in so many shootouts. I've seen so many different type of drugs. Last Sunday, I was, went back, read my old, one of my reports from one of my court cases when I'm facing two uh felonies for dealing cocaine to undercover. And I'm reading through it like, this was me? I did nothing though, yo. He counted my life, and I surrendered. That's all. I don't deserve my wife. I don't deserve my children. And I'm not much enough to be nothing. Even when I preach, it's all y'all. I didn't get a word till yesterday, cause why? I wait on y'all. Because you are his people. So I love you. But we're in a time to where we need to be like Esther. And press into the presence of the king. And beg that his kingdom come. And change things. And he will in this time. And amen. Let's pray. Father, Yah, you are who you are. We sung about you. We just saw you in the midst of the text. We know you from our very own lives. You are powerful, you are mighty, you are loving, you are gracious, and you are in us, and you are around us, and you gave us your Holy Spirit. The Ruach your very holy breath is in us. And you are with us, for you gave us a great commission, and you said, and I will be with you to the ends of the earth. You are with us, Father. May everybody in this room that follows you know it. And may those who don't follow you know you've been with them as well. Because you're even with those who have yet to make a decision to follow you because you love your creation. So move on the heart of those who don't know you, Lord. For tomorrow's not promised. I pray that if anybody in this room, you know, that they come to Pastor Carly or or one of the host team or someone in and say, yo, what must I do to be saved? I want to give my life to him. Can you pray with me? All right, Lord, have your way. In your son's name I pray. Everybody say, amen, amen.